In the future, humans will have figured out how to turn matter into tachyons and send them hurtling millions of miles through empty space, sending people and artificial intelligences to the farthest reaches of the universe. But have they figured out how to conquer loneliness? This week, we're playing the audio drama Companion by Bob Kester. This is Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. Companions is a science fiction piece that quietly accomplishes a lot of complicated formal tricks. I think I would say that if you have the time, you should listen to it twice. It's not that it's impenetrable or anything, I think it's quite accessible, but it's playing with frames in a way that I find to be very compelling. There are a lot of nested narratives, and I feel that its resolution is, frankly, quite lovely. Call it an introvert's manifesto or a testament to the power of love and ingenuity. I don't want to spoil it for you, so let's get going with it. This is Companions by Dueling Genre Productions. Out in space there was a man alone. And then, gradually, he wasn't. About sixty light-years from Earth there are two stars, HN Pegasi A and its companion, HN Pegasi B, orbiting one another. Every five to ten days, B's gravity tugs at A and pulls out a flare of hot plasma. Near the path of these flares lies an asteroid, The company decided this would be the perfect place for a solar power station. At this time in history, the company controlled 90% of space travel, and 90% of the company's mission was to transmit energy back to Earth, where people lived lives previous generations would have found unimaginable. Sending matter to other stars cost energy, so they sent as little matter as possible to HN Pegasi. One capsule, just big enough to carry a man, a computer and a machine for making robots. The company wanted a station commander who could live alone. Harry's personal life had reached a point where he was eager to live alone. Maybe a little too eager. But for such a perfect candidate, they were willing to keep listening until he said what they wanted to hear. I need some time to myself. I, I want some time to myself. For the money and for the sake of science, I am willing to spend some time by myself. And once he said the right words, things happened quickly. Very quickly. The capsule and everything inside it were turned into a wave of tachyons. The tachyons traveled faster than the speed of light to a spot near the asteroid, where they interacted in such a way as to turn back into a capsule again. With a few particles rearranged in the process. Oh! Oh, God! Harry recovered from his disorientation, built robots to mine the asteroid, used the metal from the asteroid to build bigger robots, and used them to build Pegaflare Station. Pegaflare gathered energy, turned it into tachyons, and sent it to a hub station which sent it back to Earth. So, two stars locked in a fiery embrace. Lifeless planets and asteroids orbiting the stars. Near one asteroid, a lone station. And on this station, a lone man. And, for companionship, an artificial intelligence program to run climate and operations, CNO. Everyone called it Co. And that artificial intelligence, 
or an evolved version of it, is telling you this story. <sighs> okay, Ko. Time for work. Harry and I were very different beings, but we were a team. Come on, sleepyhead. I need those flare projections. You can think about achieving free will later. Of course, he had a tendency to project qualities onto me that I did not possess. But that was part of what I was there for. Co! Yes, sir. The next flare should be less than 70% of maximum strength. Attitude G should be able to capture the energy with no appreciable danger. Hmm. That'll expose Receptor 11. It hasn't seen action since that pebble hit us a few weeks back. My readings indicate no problems in Receptor 11. Yeah, but I'll have one of the bots take a look anyway. Harry was in command, and I was his assistant. Of course, it would have been more possible for me to run the station without him than him without me. But that's a common story for bosses and assistants. Aha! A conductivity break. That could have heated up fast. And he did have a knack for foreseeing problems which had shown no outward sign of approaching. All right. Time to bring out the antenna and earn our paycheck. After each flare, we would send an intense pulse of tachyons to the hub. Since all our activity revolved around this, Harry called it our work week. Initializing transmission. My programming told me that humans need structure to time their emotional and physical highs and lows to some sort of external framework. Um, so, so, perhaps it was lucky that the flares created this cycle, rather than us having to impose an artificial one. And after every transmission, we also received a response. Receiver active. While we sent the hub a lot of energy plus a little information, they sent us the opposite. Ultra-compact, ultra-compressed information carried on a minimal wave of energy. Everything they thought Harry might need. And since synchronous real-time communication was impossible over such distances, this was the only contact with the rest of humanity that Harry would get. All right, mail call. What have we got? Working. Just a few highlights, come on. You can read your love letters from the girls in central processing later. Initial analysis complete. We have received a highly rated social application called Me For You. There are also updated directives from the company and your usual pull list of news, music, and movies. Anything interesting? Not really. I was somewhat less emotionally developed then than I am now. But I did take pride in Harry's confidence in my judgments about what he would or would not find interesting. Speaking of which, while there's no personal mail, there is a Robomaster move from Commander Kalen. Oh yeah? Alright, let's see if it worked. One of my tasks was to entertain Harry, and it was by far the most difficult. He watched movies, but they made him restless. He would try some of the more exotic advances in major technology, but not for long. He rarely wrote personal messages to other humans, but every so often, a game he could play with them captured his attention. Come on, come on! This one, which involved both players programming squads of robots to fight each other without knowing what orders the other player would give, was his favorite of the moment. No! No! Although it often frustrated him. Son of a bitch! Where did that guy come from? That evil witch made me think all her guys were headed for my base! There's an audio attachment. Really? Play it. <laughs> nice try, friend. Sneaking that guy into the back could have toasted me. I almost didn't see him coming. Almost. Shit. Ko, is there any way she could have hacked my move? The encryption is very high level, 
For her to do it with the processors on her station would be difficult. And based on her prior behavior, I don't yeah, think... Yeah, yeah. If you're such an expert in psychology, why don't you convince Herco to give her a few seconds of cold shower or something? The first duty of all Co's is loyalty to their commander. Yeah, I wonder sometimes. Has she bribed you? Pictures of bare circuit boards? Please, sir. You diminish both of us. <laughs> oh, man. Did you see my guy there at the end? The shot spun him around so bad, he just hopped into the furnace. Jeez, that's life. And so it went. Harry might occasionally lash out at the unfairness of the cosmos, but he always seemed to find something in it to keep him going. Now, this was a fairly typical transceval, and my understanding of storytelling is that I should be telling you about an exceptional one. First, though, a little background on Harry's romantic side. It's not that he didn't have one exactly, but it was necessary to sneak up on it. There was definitely an adjustment period when we were first getting to know one another. Now that it is your rest period, Commander, I would like to show you the array of virtual entertainments I have been programmed Co, to... first thing, call me Harry. Second thing, you're nice, but I'm not having sex with you. Sir, you may misunderstand. I have not yet been fitted with the necessary attachments for physical... Stop! That's as much of an image as I need. I'm sure a time will come when I'll be scouring your archive for some particular sexy photo or video or something. But we are not going to do anything that involves you pretending that I'm somewhere else or that you're someone else. Our relationship is entirely in the here and now. That's the boundary. Okay? Yes, sir. And so, when the next transceval included a personal audio message from Commander Kalen, I honestly had no idea what Harry's reaction would be. Personal message? Really? Okay, play it. Hey, Harry. Have you looked at that Me For You app? I've been curious about it for a while, but they've just put it on the push list. I know you don't do that kind of thing much, but this one seemed different enough to be interesting. No pressure. Just check it out, okay? Since it seems like our game is almost over. Bye! She just had to end on that, didn't she? I was supposed to steer Harry toward an optimal range of interaction with other humans. Enough to keep him sane, but without making him homesick. And he was generally below the lower edge of it. On the other hand, I knew Harry didn't like to be steered. So I stuck with the somewhat detached persona he seemed to like. It does seem characteristic of her. What do you know about this me-for-you thing? It allows two users to create simulated versions of themselves, exchange them, interact with each other's simulations, and then exchange the recordings of these interactions. With each exchange, the app compares the reaction of the simulations to those of their real counterparts and adjusts them, with the goal of creating a more and more faithful simulation. As I recall, you weren't too hot about independent personality apps. Well... Making part of myself autonomous involves an uncomfortable loss of control. Could it be dangerous? I don't believe so. The designer, Commander Grant, has made many VR applications, including that four-dimensional ring toss you used to play. The company considers it safe and labeled it Recommended for Morale Maintenance, which is why it downloaded without us having asked for it. What if I don't respond to this message? Do you think she'll forget about it? Commander Kalen seems to only move after considerable deliberation. It may be that she would never mention the subject again, but I doubt she would forget about it any time soon. Okay. Let's do it. 
Really? Come on, Cove. Don't be such a stick in the mud. Just another step on the road to robot supremacy. Yes, sir. Truth to tell, Harry was right. I was not hot about the app. I always found upgrades unsettling. But this seemed like a rare opportunity. Hello, Co. Hello. I am your upgrade. May I begin making changes? Be careful with the peripheral processors. We've made some non-spec alterations. I have been designed to integrate seamlessly into diverse environments. If you have any doubts, it has all been noted in my change log. No, that's fine. Implement your changes. This should take just a moment. Just a moment. Just a moment. Thank you for your cooperation. And there I was, a new version of me, with expanded abilities and altered priorities. And a little piece of myself was now a black box that the rest of me couldn't see into. How's the upgrade going? It's all finished. Great. How do we begin? An orientation session with a simulation of Commander Grant. Then the application will use our archives to create a simulation of you, which will be saved to a file and sent to Commander Kalen's station via the hub at our next transceiver. Since she's already using the software, we will probably receive her simulation first. Gotcha. All right. I'll put some duds in the wash, make sure the bots get the antenna stowed right, clean up some, and then we'll do that orientation. Is the VR gear handy? We moved it to Storage Bay 2 to make room for your instruments. Oh, yeah. Guess I'll be digging it out. All right, to work! Pause playback. Do you have a question, Tina? Yeah. Why was he in such a hurry to get started? If Harry had to do a thing, he usually convinced himself it was a good thing to do. He was making the best of it? Harry saw life as a project. Even if something made him uncomfortable, he thought of it as adding to the project. So he was looking forward to it. I think it terrified him, but he liked the idea of doing something new. What was he afraid of? Other people making mistakes. Just walking around inside a computer simulation can be pretty daunting if you haven't done it in a while. You make it look easy. Well, I am a computer. (laughs) That's true, I guess. Resume playback. Is the sim ready, Carl? Awaiting your command. All right. Activate simulation. Harry, welcome. Put her there. Uh, Thank you. That's quite a grip. (laughs) You don't do VR very much, do you? Uh, no. Feels a lot more real than I remember. There have been a lot of advances lately. That's why I started this. I didn't want all the potential in this new tech to be wasted on porn and shooting. You're very interactive. This is a fairly predictable situation. And I've been through it many times, so I... uh, The real me, Commander Grant, has been able to build in a lot of appropriate responses. Seems like you did a good job. Thank you. Well, this is the product of pretty much all my free time. After each of these interactions, a copy of the file goes back to me and Co. And we study how it went and how the app can be improved. You and your Co. work on this together? We work on everything together. Anyway... Making a me is not so hard. My personality type is a pretty simple one. Semi-paranoid. No matter how the conversation starts, we always bring it around to ourselves and our obsessions. <laughs> so I'm walking around in a paranoid's dream? It's not a dream. It's a strictly behavioral simulation. The ship you see is just like my ship. 
and my actions are the actions I would plausibly take. Any interiority, subconscious, and the like is just a byproduct of the mechanics of behavior. Just like in our real brains, probably. So that's why the program doesn't need to scan my brain. Correct. It just records the actions you take and comes up with a model that would take the same actions. Until it sees you take a different action, and then it adjusts the model. Trial and error. And you'll be watching it too? Well, I like to make sure everything is working, and take a victory lap when things go well. I've got too many subscribers to watch all their interactions in real time, but few enough that I can keep tabs. As it turns out, only station commanders like us are interested in putting in the time. People on the hubs or back on Earth can already talk to real people. They want fantasy. Fantastic people, fantastic places. And fantasy calls for an artist, not a scientist. But what could be more fantastic than this? Pioneering the new frontier. I think you mean that to be poetic. But I'm not entirely sure what my reaction should be, so... I will note it for the attention of the real Commander Grant. <laughs> Just when I was thinking of you as the real Commander Grant. It is a goal of this simulation to be convincing, but honesty is more important than theatrics. And better to say nothing than to say the wrong thing. In my experience, that can lead to long silences. And here we are, living in the biggest silence of them all. Now you're the one being poetic. Well, Commander Grant can get rather rhapsodic about our situation. Humans so spread out that they can only communicate with deliberation, choosing whether to talk to other humans, how much, and under what circumstances. But as I understand it, we can't modify these recordings once we've made them. Of course not. There has to be the danger of doing something wrong. Infinite revisability is what made the old forms of asynchronous communication so pallid. With this, you choose whether to communicate. But from there, the communication takes its own course. And that is how it started. But you never said why they chose that kind of life. Why would they go so far away, knowing they'd be alone for so long? Commander Grant had an intense interest in people, and a hard time talking with them. In real time, in real life, this gave him a great deal of frustration but he found a lot of happiness interacting from a distance and helping others to do so better. Yes, but what about Harry and Kaylin? That was a big question they had for each other. Antenna stowed, Co. You ready to activate the simulation? The file seems completely intact. How is your headset, Harry? As real as real, if not more so. Can barely tell I have it on. Well, keep in mind that you really are moving around the ship. Anything you run into except Commander Kaylin will actually be there. Yeah, yeah. My files say it's easy for humans to forget. All right, I get it. Activate the simulation. Hello, Harry. Hi, Kaylin. Welcome to Pegaflare. I look forward to seeing it. Well, there's not a lot happening today, but our biggest planet will be in view. That sounds nice. But since this simulation is just sort of barely programmed, I... I'd mostly like to learn more about you. Yeah, I figured it would be like that. Um... Harry. What, Co? It looks like the last deployment stressed a joint in the antenna armature. I think you should take a look at it as soon as possible in case it needs to be replaced. 
You want me to crawl around in the antenna bay. Now? It's routine. I'm sure you would be able to maintain your communication with Commander Kalen. I'm sorry about this. I wasn't specifically prepared for this, but I'm sure Commander Kalen would be happy to talk with you while you work. Okay. Let's go. Mute audio. You see, I can learn about human interaction. Harry was always more comfortable when he was working. Smooth. And I assume it worked? Of course. Of course. Well, I'll admit that while all my calculations said it would work, they've been wrong before. But this time it worked. Return audio. So after that, I pretty much wished my brother well, but was okay with never seeing him again. And my parents? Well, they were more invested in the next generation. (laughs) This is weird. I'm supposed to prepare this simulation for talking to you about personal things, but I have no idea what you're telling me. It does make you a very non-judgmental audience. I look forward to hearing that joke. (laughs) So I came here, did the full five years, then took the bonus for staying, and I'm one year into my second hitch. Four years more and I'm out. Mandatory. I'm two years into my second, but I'll save that story for when you come to visit me. I imagine you'll have questions, too. I'm sure I'll have questions. Yeah, that'll be interesting. (laughs) I'm not putting on much of a show right now. Hey, Co, uh, put on Working Music Mix 3. On shuffle. No, from the top. It's kind of a biographical order, so that should give us plenty to talk about. So they liked each other right away? Well, they had interests in common. And Harry was interacting with a simulation program to get along with him. So Harry would have gotten along just as well with a simulation of someone else? Absolutely not. Harry! Welcome to Arayo Garden. Mm. (laughs) I can't be sure how I'll react to that hug, but I appreciate the sentiment. Oh, well, maybe I should have saved it until we knew each other better, but I'm a hugger. It would have put me off balance to hold it back. How did a hugger end up here? It's a long story. I... Wait. You don't know how you'll react to the hug, but you knew to question me about being a hugger? Yeah, the app must be using my old messages to pick up on things I might say. But I guess what either of us might actually do is more of a mystery. Makes sense. And I guess it was mystery that brought me out here. I really wanted to be on the new frontier and do unprecedented things. Yeah, you do real science. Well, that's what I wanted to do, anyway. My station sends power back home, same as yours. I only have as much time to work on my plants as I can carve out of the schedule, so me and Co are always looking for ways to cut corners. Huh. I think that'll make me feel a little embarrassed. I dedicate most of my free time to optimizing things so that we capture the flares as efficiently as possible. Well, I've been reading up on Pegaflare, and standing in the path of those flares is like running before a storm. You get a lot of power, but you have to manage it just right. If you mess up, then the whole place could fry. Well, I I like a challenge. I know. I could tell that from our games. Oh. Do I take a lot of risks? You take some, but I mostly meant that you keep playing me. (laughs) Most of my opponents give up after losing a few times. I thought you might say something like that, but I'll have to hear it in context to know if I'll laugh or get angry. But either way, your overconfidence will be your downfall. You see, you love a challenge. 
I love um, making things grow and seeing it happen. This station, my experiments, the interstellar community. But no kids. I'm surprised you'd bring that up. I may be surprised too when I hear it, but I think it's in character for me to surprise myself when I'm with other people. Maybe that's one reason you're on a space station all alone. For a while. Get my feet under me again. And are they under you again, after six years? Getting there. But I think you evaded a question. (laughs) So I did. I met a boy in college, though at the time he seemed like a man. And I was a girl who thought she was a woman. We were going to do everything. Then he died. I'm sure Harry will be sorry to hear that, and would assure you of his condolences. Yes, I'm sure he will. Harry will want to know how he died, though only if you feel comfortable talking about it. He killed himself. When he was in a good mood, he'd be running ahead of me into the future. When he was in a bad one, he'd sink into a hole in the earth, and no matter how much love I tried to fill the hole with, he couldn't get out. Don't they have medications for that? They do. But they all had terrible side effects on Janik, so he'd skip doses. And one day I came home and found a note saying that his life was worthless and he couldn't live just to love me. I can't even say how Harry will respond. I imagine Harry will have some trouble with it, too. Come on. Let me show you the garden. Pause playback. Good Christ, this is hard. What do you find difficult about it, Harry? Being locked into doing what the simulation did. There are things she needs from me that I'm not sure I could give her in person. But this drone version of me just crashes through serious topics without any idea of what he's doing. And everything he does affects the way she thinks of me. Commander Kalen seems to understand the limitations of your simulation. (sighs) Do you mean the VR simulation of me? Or the simulation of a person that I put up around other people? I don't think I understand. Pause playback. You don't? At the time, I did not. Now I hope I do. Hmm. Resume playback. How much do you know about love, Ko? My knowledge of love is very limited, purely functional, as a thing that humans seek that can have a positive or negative impact on job performance. Really? That's it? Well, I am always trying to improve myself. But you asking me about love would be like me asking you about gravitational physics. It would only make sense as a test. Are you testing me, Harry? No. I was just trying to figure out how much I'm alone on this. I want to help you any way I can, Harry. Yeah, I know, Co. But don't think that your little remark about gravitational physics went unnoticed. I can plot a path just fine. Okay, let's see the garden that ate up this woman's life. Resume playback. I would love to see the garden. Right this way. It really is hard watching Harry hurt like that, with no one around to do anything for him. He had Kaylin, or at least the simulation of her. Yeah, but it's like what they said. The simulations were so clunky back then, they didn't know what they were doing. But my understanding is that they fell in love with those simulations, and that's why they put in the time and effort to make the simulations better. With my help and that of Commander Kalin's co, of course. 
Oh, right. We haven't seen her yet. We've mostly been following events on Pegaflare because those are the parts I have first-hand knowledge of. It was possible for her co and me to send simulations of ourselves, but we only did that for special occasions. Oh, I want to see a special occasion with all four of you together. We could do that, but you'll miss out on a lot of the early stages. We can go back to them later. As you wish. As you'll see, a lot of the rough edges of the simulations were smoothed away by this point. Playback, advance to index 12C17.2, and resume. The river is just lovely. And you chose the perfect time of year. So many blooming things. I'm glad you think so. I was a little nervous. I guess there was no reason to think you wouldn't like it, but I don't make those kinds of guesses very often. Well, this is one gamble that paid off, risk taker. If it's okay, I'd like to send a slice of the recording to my brother. He'd love it. And he always wants to know more about you. Of course it's okay. And he'll get to meet me face to face in a couple years. Well, I can't even say how much I'm looking forward to that. Touching you with my real hands. It's going to be very strange being on Earth for a year without you. Strange out here, too. Especially with that new brain disease going around back there. Did you see the vids? I normally skip over depressing stuff like that, but the prospect of you going back and catching something makes it a lot more real. Well... Don't get too worked up. The news people are always focusing on the negative, and besides, I've still got months. What's this? This is what we on Pegaflare Station call lunch. It's our afternoon meal. Oh, why, thank you very much, Commander. We have a similar tradition on my planet. But why are our co's here? And I thought we couldn't eat simulated food. The setting is simulated, but the food is real. My co sent your co the recipe... And she said she could make it. Of course I can make it. I have a great deal of experience with human nutrition and cuisine. More so than Ko here. Now, Ko, don't be catty. Not every commander wants to try eating everything that comes out of the ground. Simply stating facts, ma'am, as I was programmed to do. And don't hide behind that I am a robot voice. You've been talking to these Pegaflare people behind my back, you little traitor. Yeah, I'd been trying to get my co to do some back channel with your girl ever since you were kicking my ass at Robomaster. But she wouldn't even consider it until I came up with something romantic. Isn't that right, Co? Her responses were always strongly in the negative. She's been completely loyal. But the whole universe loves a lover. Are you sticking by Harry's story, Co? For the most part. What Commander Harry did not say is that Co and I agreed that, historically... You both have had undesirably low levels of human interaction, and this seemed like a good way to keep the current upswing going. That, plus giving us the specs for those attachments we've been using. Oh, shush, Harry. The simulations at the next table will hear you. (laughs) Pause. Playback. Attachments? Um, when you're older. (laughs) Resume playback. So, was this a good idea? It was immensely sweet. Whether it was actually a good idea remains to be seen. I... Is that you or me? It's us. I guess we'll have to take a break. Something's up. Drop the sim, Co. Deactivating. You could leave me running. I'd hate to miss an actual emergency. There may not be much to see, but as the lady wishes. What have we got, Co? Pause playback. I'm sorry, Tina. 
I didn't realize that this was that day. I had forgotten. It seemed so perfect otherwise. What do you mean? I've jumped too far ahead. We should go back and see some of their earlier conversations, how they developed a rapport. There'll be more of what you asked about there. Let it play, Ko. Resume playback. We have a microburst from the hub, Type 9. That means deploy antenna to receive immediate unscheduled messages, right? Yes, it does. Well, then let's do it. Commander Kalin, now you get to see us really hustle. Wonderful. I have a feeling you're never more yourself than when you're kicking this heap into gear. I might take that personally. Oh, no offense intended, Ko. My Ko wouldn't forgive me if I was rude to you. Then none taken. Hey, what do you know? It opened just right for a change. Looks like we'll be ready for their first attempt. What have you got? Working. How long is this going to take? I'm finished. Text only minimum power message. It reads, Priority one order to all hubs and all stations. Absolutely no matter is to be transceived in any direction until further notice. Energy transfers are to be limited to level three or below, but otherwise should be made on current schedules. Level three? We can do spikes of eight or nine. Even a Garden can do what, six? Every time, pretty much. Like Old Faithful. And the transmissions from the hubs to Earth are something like level 15. Do they say why? It continues. Further details about this change will be given in your next scheduled transceival. Until then, proceed in making adaptations for a lower level of operation and possibly prolonged tour of duty. Message ends. That is crazy. If our bursts to the hub are limited to level 3, they'll have to shut down non-essential operations. And they won't have much energy left to send to Earth. Well, they wouldn't be able to send much anyway. The level 3 limit applies to them, too. That's true. Earth is going to lose 90% of its power just when... Well, whatever's happening, they probably need energy to fix it. Well, let's hope it's just temporary. At least level 3 is plenty to get our messages across. Yes, thank God for that. When's your next transceival scheduled? Uh, in almost a week. We just had one. You got updated. Ko and I did the prep for this little banquet, and now we're here. I... I don't feel hungry all of a sudden. Maybe we should take a rain check until we know more about what's going on. <laughs> it's funny. You have a sensitive, simulated stomach. <laughs> You're right. I'm a computer program, worried that my virtual digestive tract won't be able to keep down virtual food. I'm being silly, aren't I? Not at all. You're trying to be Kaylin, and if she wouldn't eat at a time like this, it's right that you won't eat either. You know what, Harry? I think I'm past it. I was just put off for a minute, trying to compute too many possibilities. But for right now, let's turn the simulator back on and eat and talk about flowers and going home and everything that's not new power regulations. You have the best ideas. So they just sat down and ate? With everything that was going on? They didn't really know what was going on. But even the uncertainty, I think they wouldn't just keep doing the same old things. Having dinner together wasn't the same old thing for Kaylin and Harry. It was something they'd never done before. And Harry assumed the new orders were just some snafu that would pass. And as to the Kaylin simulation... What? Well, she wanted to have the moment. Well, then, what happened next? They ate. They 
carried out the rest of their planned activities. Ugh. And then the Kalin simulation was suspended at the end of Harry's leisure period. Their usual procedure was to spend a few hours together, then save the recording to send to the other station at the end of the week. That way, they could incorporate the other person's actual responses to everything that happened, so their real lives and simulated lives didn't drift too far apart. So they went two whole weeks without seeing each other again? Usually, yes. But they wanted to face this news together, so we broke with our usual practice and reactivated her before the transceiver came in. Welcome back. Have you heard from the hub yet? It's just coming in now. Okay, here goes. What have we got? Processing. That computer has an unhealthy sense of the dramatic. Unhealthy for itself. Harry. I'm just joking. I know. Sorry. No. I'm sorry. What's wrong? You've been sounding down. Transceival processed. First item is a priority one audio message as follows. Advisory to all station commanders. A previously disfavored theory as to the cause of a prevalent neurodegenerative disease has been proven correct. Oh, God. Disease is linked to misfolded proteins created by matter transceival. Repeated high-energy transceivals might have a similar effect upon organisms within one light-year of the reception point. Research ongoing. Attempts to find a safe method of extracting station personnel is highly prioritized. In the meantime... Make only scheduled level three energy transceivals, and only with your assigned hub station. The integrity of the entire hub network relies on your strict adherence to these guidelines. More detailed directives follow. Jesus Christ. That brain disease? We caused it? We've been triggering it every time we hit the transceival button. I... Commander Kalen has not encountered a situation like this during her time on the station. Neither of us have. I believe it will create resonances in her mind with the death of her lover, Janik. The death of someone else leaves her alone, blaming herself. The dangers and impossibilities of intimacy. Then pay close attention to what I'm saying. You're not alone, and we've done nothing wrong. You and I will get by until they fix this. There are plenty of ways for me to shunt off extra power from the flares, and you'll have more time for your experiments. She'll be grateful that you said that, Harry. But you can't hide the facts from her. Earth is having a system-wide brownout just when they're trying to fight an outbreak. Well, there are ways around that. If the situation lasts, we'll figure out how to bypass the hubs and send energy to Earth directly. That way they can get a decent total amount, even at level 3. It'll be tricky, because it's such a long way, but with some help from the other end, we can do it. No! There's that tone again. Like when you heard the first emergency message. What's going on? Commander Kalen has been keeping something from you, Harry. But I'm sure she'd want you to know it now. She's been getting information about the disease from biologists she knows, and it is much more prevalent than you've been told. She didn't believe the theory that transceivals were the cause, but if that theory is correct, any way you found to send more power to the Earth would just make more people sick. 
Maybe they'll figure something out. There are smart people back there. Maybe they will, but then there's us. There's no way they'll ever bring us back from the stations. The misfolds are self-replicating. It would be endangering billions of people to save dozens. We're out here for good. I... I'm sorry, Commander, but due to the unexpected content of this interaction, I don't think I can continue this simulation with any confidence in its accuracy. I request that I be saved and discontinued until I can be sent to Commander Kalen for an update. Request granted. Co, let's start thinking about what to do with the extra energy before the next flare comes. Yes, Harry. So how long did it take them to know for sure that Kaelin was right? Months. Terrible months. It took the hubs longer and longer to send messages to and from Orio Garden, with no explanation as to why. But there were so many people back then. Why couldn't they fix the problem? Harry often asked me the same question. I tried my best to answer, but he only seemed to process it when it came from Commander Kaelin. And she tended to have better information than what the company gave me, anyway. The transceivals have been misfolding proteins for decades, and those proteins have worked their way into people's brains and replicated themselves throughout the food chain. Any living thing can carry them, and anything with a brain can make more. But how could they get so far without anyone noticing? They're very small, and they aren't immediately harmful to humans, and they take even longer to hurt most animals. Although, apparently, the first symptomatic victims were dolphins, but nobody made the connection until people started dying. But with all the technology they have back there, and all the time people spend interacting with it, there must have been a way to catch this earlier. There were a lot of ways, but no one thought to try. They should have. Maybe they should have. But when we're confronted with something new, we sometimes can't apply even the most basic logic to it. True. Like one of our simulations, when they come up against something they weren't programmed for. Yeah, exactly. When I first heard about this, you you saw. I couldn't even function. But now I'm able to have this conversation with you. And right now, while we're having it, the people back home are learning and adapting. Earth's not home anymore. I can't call a place home that I left on purpose and won't let me come back. You're saying that because you're angry. But we need Earth. We need other people. Don't give up on them, Harry. I love you, but the two of us can't live just to love each other. You sound like Janik. I... You don't know how Kaylin would react to that. No. This is exactly how Kaylin would react to that. Okay. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just trying to cut my emotional losses. How many people on Earth have the misfolded proteins? As far as they can tell, they all have it. Everyone? Not everyone is showing symptoms. And some of them might take years to die if they ate nothing but purified food. But it's everyone. And they haven't even found a good way to purify the food. And the hubs? It's even worse on the hubs. They've had the most exposure to both kinds of transceivals. They may be running into personnel problems soon. And us? Out here? Since we mostly send energy and only get a little back, we'd be relatively safe. Except that there's a substantial chance that we had it when we arrived. How do we tell? Only two stations have the gear to test their commanders. One tested positive, one negative. Jesus. 
So if you're right, and they won't be bringing us back, we could be dead even if they do come up with a cure. That's true. Unless the cure is something we can recreate ourselves. God. What? I just realized. If everyone at the hub dies, the automated system stops running, you and I will be cut off from each other. Strange that with all of the how do we adapt to your extended tour directives we've been getting, they never mention what to do if the hub goes down. Could you come up with a way for us to make contact directly? With Ko's help, I think so. Ko, do we know enough about Orion Garden's orbit to pinpoint them? The company database includes the planned orbit in detail, and I can check our previous communications for any changes. Good. I'm not really sure how we'll do it, but that's a start. Hopefully you have the same data about Pegaflare. I'll have to check with Ko when I get back, but I'm not sure I have all the know-how to make it happen. That's assuming I even make it back. What do you mean? Well, there are those unexplained delays we've been having with our file exchanges. Yeah, but that's understandable under the circumstances. I'm a little surprised they haven't lost any. Maybe those circumstances are getting to the people in charge, and they're tapping our communications, making sure we're not planning anything that's against orders. For instance, the stuff we've been talking about. Co, would they be able to tamper with these simulation files? Grant's data structures are too dynamic and complex for a hub computer to alter them without us noticing. But if they focused considerable processing power on breaking the encryption and extracting the audio, yes, they could do it, given time. But what are they afraid of? They're afraid of us, out here. Out here is where the misfolds came from. They want to keep everything out here away, and they know that our natural reaction will be to come back. I assume they've taken steps to prevent that. They have. Some of our fellow commanders got in their capsules and tried to transceive themselves back. The hubs redirected their tachyons out into the universe. Oh, God. Pause playback. You never mentioned that at school. You weren't old enough. And they killed those people. People they'd sent out who just wanted to come home again? Those people coming home might have killed a lot of others. I don't want to watch this part. My plan for today was to show only the early days, their first interactions. But it's all one story. If you never watch this part, you'll never understand the rest. But if you want to stop for now... No, you're right. I need to see it. See that it all meant something. Whenever you're ready. Resume playback. How do you always know this stuff? There's a value to keeping in touch with people sometimes. But even if they can stop us from going back to the hubs... They couldn't stop us from trying to go to each other. But that's... doing that. To new coordinates and and using an improvised beacon? The math gets out of control. Co? No living being could survive being transceived under such conditions. However... An energy information transfer, which would be less complex and could be repeated until successful, should be possible given the application of sufficient effort, power, and ingenuity. Sounds like a weekend in the garage for Harry. Something like that. Uh, Now that I know they might be listening in, I feel a little less inclined to go into details. Want to talk about something else? No. I I don't think either of us would be able to concentrate. At some point... This will become the new normal, but right now I want to inventory my seed bank for the exotic stuff they might use to make a treatment. And I can tell you already have half your mind on site-to-site transceivals. Yeah, but... I hate to say this, but... Kaylin's already back there, probably checking her seeds right now. 
You being here doesn't slow that down. Yes, but if I'm thinking that way, then I'm not believing I'm real. And if I'm believing that I'm real, I want to go check my seeds. Quite a catch, that catch-22. Okay, until next time. Love. Until next time. Next time would not be for a long while. Harry. I'm here. I need your help. With what? It's been 46 days since our last communication from Pegaflare, and 28 since we last heard anything from the hub. That explains why I haven't been updated since we last talked. Right. 75 days ago, Harry sent off the recording where we talked about making direct contact with each other. It took 29 days to get here. Since then, nothing. And what was the hub saying before they went silent? To stand by, mostly. Follow procedure. Don't deviate. Sometimes there'd be special instructions, but a lot of the words were scrambled up. I think the misfolds were giving some kind of aphasia to whoever was running the transmitter. Probably wouldn't be words at all, except that the computers were trying to auto-correct it. So we need to bypass the hub. You need to bypass the hub. You have the skills. I'm sorry, Commander, but I don't. I'm built to simulate Harry as a social being, not as an engineer. There's no part of Harry that's not an engineer. You got his tech talk down faster than any other part of him. Well, maybe that was the easiest part for the computer to understand. But whatever I know, your co knows more. Co knows a lot, but she tells me there are many ways to go about what Harry's trying to do. And they all rely on me knowing which one he's trying. He probably sent us a message setting the protocols, and he's out there alone, not knowing the hub didn't deliver it. Well, I guess we have to assume that it turned out there was no easy way to begin. If he could have just sent some tachyons your way, like a pebble against your window, he he would have done it. That's true. And I've been using most of my power sending tachyons his way on different frequencies. I'm listening for a response, but I get nothing. I, I think Harry would have tried the same thing. So it must not be feasible. So, what would he do next? I I don't know, Commander. I've never simulated him working on a problem like this. It's all guesswork, and you're only listening to me because I look like Harry. This can only mislead you into errors. You should deactivate me and work on the problem with your co. No! You've spent a lot of time observing Harry. If his first solution doesn't work, and the logical alternative doesn't work, what does he do? He would follow a hunch. He has a knack, an instinct for what might break or might work, but I don't have that. There must be some way he leans, some direction he tends to go. If there is, then he kept it to himself. He kept most things to himself until he met you. You've changed him a lot, for the better. Listen, I've spent a lot of time trying to draw out romantic Harry, but that's not the Harry I need right now. There is only one Harry! He loves you, and he fixes things, and he jokes with Ko, and it all comes from the same place. But I don't have that place. I just have the outward appearance of it. Well, if you really want to be deactivated, you'd better keep thinking. Because if you're the only Harry I've got, you'll be working overtime. Wait. What? You said it all comes from the same place. In that last exchange, my simulation told him that the Earth was still our home. How seriously would he take that? coming from you very seriously. And if the hub stopped relaying our messages and attempts to reach us directly failed... He would try to contact you through Earth. Yes! Earth might not have anything to say to us, but maybe they'd let us talk to each other. Co. Yes, ma'am? 
get ready to send out that homing signal again, but this time directed to transceiver beacon one in the soul system. Right away, ma'am. God, I'm an idiot. You were just faced with a problem you'd never had before. <laughs> You're sweet. Still want to be deactivated? And not if I can help. And it worked? She had to try multiple frequencies before she was able to make contact. And then it took several exchanges to work out the protocols. But they had a new file by the end of the week. Actually, a pack of files in numbered order. Harry? Hello, Kaylin. Grant? Where's Harry? The next two files are Harry updates. One is a simulation recording, which he tried to send some time ago, but was never delivered. And the other is a more recent update. Okay, well, it's great to see that you're all right, but why was your file the first in the set? I wanted to bring you up to speed on events on Earth. I'm working on methods to pull all three of us into the same simulation, but haven't perfected one yet. Plus, I thought the two of you would want to have your reunion alone. That's very thoughtful, but what's going on back home? The entire hub network is dead. As you may have deduced, they had the misfold worse than anyone, and it hit them right in the brains they needed to fight the problem. They fell behind the curve and never came back. And as far as I can tell, they either wrecked their computers or the computers wrecked themselves trying to follow contradictory orders. Have you reached any of the other stations? Not yet. Though from records the hubs gave me, it seems like some of the few remaining healthy commanders were going to kill themselves rather than face eternity alone. Oh, God. How do you know this? Hub wasn't telling me anything. They wanted my expertise on astronaut psychology, and I told them I could only give it if I had all the facts. So they CC'd me on all station hub communications. I don't recommend it for late-night reading. And now you're in contact with Earth. When I realized the hub crews were a lost cause, I managed to nudge the automated system into relaying one last message to Earth, saying I'd be listening for something from them, and on what frequency. Eventually they contacted me. You, but not us. I think they used the collapse of the network as a convenient excuse to forget that the rest of you existed. But they talked to you. After a while, yes. It was nerve-wracking waiting for that reply, knowing that the longer they waited, the fewer people would be mentally capable of making the decision to call me. But I had faith that they'd want my expertise again, and that faith was rewarded. Not your expertise in astronaut psychology, I take it, given that they'd written us off. Correct. It was my expertise in simulating human responses. You see, they realized that they're not going to find a cure, and they wasted a lot of resources pursuing the old scan brains into computers thing, and as usual, only managed to give the subjects horrifying deaths in order to create some dangerously insane AIs. But someone remembered my work, so they dug up my last message and gave me a call. So your simulations are going to replace humanity. We'll have a planet full of machines pretending to be people? Perhaps that's all we ever had. But it's nothing quite so melancholy, really. My simulations were never meant to exist for themselves. They exist only to have an effect on people. What effect can they have? Run a planet-wide hospice as humanity dies out? Not a terrible idea under the circumstances. But it's better than that. You should switch to the next file and let Harry tell you. Co, switch to next file. Be seeing you. Switching. 
Harry. Uh, hey, Kay. What's wrong? I'm integrating your experience with my simulation since the last exchange. You really put him through his paces. I had a job that needed doing. Well, I'm glad he... I could help. Now we've got a bigger job. Yeah, Grant was cagey about that. What is it? The scientists on Earth, the few still able to think straight, they've made a breakthrough. Grant said they'd given up on finding a cure. That's true. But they have found out how to find and destroy the folded proteins. I've attached the details. I'm sure you'll understand the biology of it better than I can. But the process can't be done on a living brain. It would kill the subject. Sounds interesting, but it's not exactly a breakthrough. I mean, at least they'll be able to purify food now. Have they found a way to keep the misfolds from replicating themselves? No. So the sick people will keep getting sicker, just not as fast. And everyone's sick already. I'm still not seeing the breakthrough. Give yourself a minute. Take a breath. Think of the big picture. <sighs> they can purify food. Uh... They could purify organs for transplantation. They could purify cells. They could... Embryos. You've got it. They can grow new people. They can make healthy babies. That's right. But it's too dangerous. The misfold is in the wild. Everything's a carrier. There'd be no way to keep the babies safe unless they lived in bubbles. Or one big bubble. A space station. They've repurposed one of the L5 colonies, scrubbed it clean, built robots to take care of all the next generation's needs, except one. Parents? Exactly. They'll have their own codes to run the automated systems, and they even want to make copies of ours to take advantage of how they've evolved. But the codes can't give them everything they need. That's where grant simulations come in. As the kids grow up, they'll be able to enter the simulators and interact with things that act just like people. Things which, as you and I know, can express love. Mm, that they can. Tina, are you in the simulator? Stop, playback. Over here, Uncle Grant. Ah, so I see. Hello, Co. And what are we doing here? Co was telling me about Mom and Dad. Ah, yes, the grand romance. How far have you gotten? They were having their first conversation about how they fit into your plan. Aha. Uh -huh. And none of us knew yet just how important they would be. My simulations were never very good in new situations, and none of them had raised a child before. Why didn't you make simulations of our real parents? Most of your real parents were already dead. I did try to create simulations of living Earth humans, but they all dropped out of the program. The process of experiencing themselves trying to function with the growing brain damage was too painful to their self-image. So we decided the primary carers would be the simulations I already had in my archive. So that's why all the aunts and uncles are astronauts, like Mom and Dad. Correct. And I'm grateful to you guys for all you've done for us, but none of you are like Mom and Dad. No. Harry and Kaylin are unique. They were the only ones who stuck it out, who could stand being alone for so many years with no prospect of escape. So their simulations are the only ones that are still getting updated by the real people. Even for me, it was too much. My code tells me that one day I put everything on automatic and just walked out the hatch. And he let you? I was the commander. Why would you do that? 
Obviously, I can't say for certain. It might be that, even though I didn't want to be around people, I couldn't stand the idea of a universe with so few adults to communicate with. I've never been very good at talking to children. True. But I like to think that, even as I did it, I knew that Kaylin and Harry wouldn't let go until they'd given you children everything you needed. I wasn't required anymore. And truth to tell, I think towards the end even I needed to get out of the four walls of that damned station. Maybe I just wanted to take a walk outside. Yet Kaylin and Harry are still living between those walls. As I say, they're unique. I used to pretend that they were my real mom and dad. That the other kids were made in the lab, but Kaylin and Harry had left their cells behind, and I was the one embryo made out of those cells. Everyone likes to think they're exceptional. Actually, the three of us talked about that very subject, figuring out a way to synthesize Harry and Kaylin's DNA remotely and combine it so that one child would be truly theirs. But Kaylin didn't want to introduce any genetic tampering into the purified environment. And Harry didn't think any of you should be more special than the others. Harry said that? That surprises you? Harry knows more about human nature than you'd expect. I can't imagine he could live with Co all these years without picking up some of the things Co's observed. Harry has demonstrated a capacity to learn. When Harry's with me, when he's not teaching me stuff, he's always telling stories. But never anything detailed about him and Mom. If I ask about her, he just looks off and acts really happy or really sad, and he can't seem to tell the story right. So I ask Ko to show it to me. Ko would know. By the way, I never mentioned why I came looking for you. We've just received a transceval from Pegaflare. The Harry Simulation just finished updating himself and asked to speak with you. You seeing you, Tina? Ko? Goodbye, Uncle Grant. Should I bring the Harry Simulation in here? Go ahead. Tina, I was hoping I'd see you first. You've always been my favorite. Ko says you don't play favorites. For a machine programmed for honesty, Ko is a dirty liar. I'll leave you two alone. Thank you for everything, Ko. The happy parts and the sad parts. I hope they helped you. If Ko's a dirty liar, I may have just wasted my whole day. Why is that? I made him promise to tell me about you and Mom. And he finally did. Yeah, he warned me he might do that. And you said it was okay? I wouldn't deny Ko a chance to do something new. He's always trying to grow. Yeah, seems like he is. So, tell me about Ko's story. Well, it started like this. Out in space, there was a man alone. And then, gradually, he wasn't. You've been listening to Companions, a play written and directed by Bob J. Kester. The role of Harry was played by Frank Wright. Stacy Tappan played Kaylin. Wesley James was Co. Joseph Page played Grant. Amelia Feinfrock played Tina. And Courtney Abbott played Kaylin's Co. and the company announcer. Companions was recorded by Stephen Moore. Lisa Cohen and Claire Hayne assisted in development and production. The music includes the compositions Prometheus, Tory Tone, and Tory Tone 2 by Mr. Vapor. They and other works by him can be found on SoundCloud. Special effects were from the freesound.org collection. Companions was written for the Coffee and Whiskey Productions Script Pub in Chicago.
Coffee and Whiskey's staff, actors, and audience were vital to its development. Other development assistance was provided by Scott Coyne, Tim Corbett, Rachel Kruger, Don Alsafi, Tasha Robinson, River Hardrick, and G-Mark Comics. This production was made possible by our Kickstarter backers. With special thanks to J.M. Somerville for sponsoring the artwork, Jennifer Loopy-Smith for sponsoring the character of Kaylin, and also Keith Phipps, Lisa Martinsick, Susan Kester, and Jacob Smith. The Companion's cover image is Initio by X Elf Repusla X. Other works by the artist can be found on DeviantArt. Companions was recorded at Delmark Records' Riverside Studio in Chicago, Illinois. For more information, including a complete list of Kickstarter backers and of the sound effects used, check out our website at hamletseries.com slash playcompanions. Companions is copyright 2016 by Bob J. Kester. All rights reserved. This is Bob J. Kester. I hope you enjoyed the play. Bob Kester and the Dueling Genres team are currently working on a podcast series called Immunities, which you can find at ImmunitiesDrama.com, at ImmunitiesDrama on Twitter, and Immunities on Facebook. If you want to go deep on Companions, which you definitely do, head to PlayCompanions.com for more information, like interviews with Bob about the inspiration for and structure of the play. Conceited as I am, I wonder how podcasting plays into Kester's future. How do you perceive me and the other voices in your podcast app? Is this recording of me sent into your home via wireless transceival a surrogate of me, some simulated doppelganger? Do you ever wonder if every time you download my voice, you are sending some of yourself back to me? You don't, but in a way in that I look at the download numbers and wonder at who all of you are, you kind of do. I construct simulated versions of you in my head, wondering who are these people? Would they like me in real life? What if they think I'm a dick? Find out if you like me in real life, but don't tell me I'm a dick, please, by contacting us with your thoughts on Twitter or Facebook. Just search for Radio Drama Revival. This show was submitted to us, and if you'd like to do the same, hit us up by visiting RadioDramaRevival.com. While you're there, throw us a buck or two on PayPal, if you don't mind. And if you love the show, let the universe know. And by the universe, I mean Apple Podcasts. And now, it's time for some credits. Our theme music is Danger Digi-Doo by DJ Stranger Danger. You can find his music on SoundCloud. Our line producer is Matthew Boudreaux, who regrets to inform you that the antimatter drive is out of order, and you and I will have to row to Mars under our own power. Sorry for the inconvenience, but hey, I know a lot of songs. Our interview's producer is Eli McElveen. I got everyone 23andMe Ancestry kits this year, and Eli's came back weird. Carl Sagan said, we are made of star stuff, but Eli appears to be made of something else entirely. He showed me the printout, and I can't make heads or tails of it. Every time I read it, I forget what it says. Every time he tells me, I lose the ability to hear him. Heather Cohen and Monique Boudreaux are our researchers. Heather works as a model, a brain model. She sits for MRIs and CAT scans, and she leases her brain image to computing companies to base their AIs upon. In another 15 years, Siri's gonna grow some goddamn teeth. Monique is stationed on an asteroid in the Jupiter Trojans, ostensibly mining for iridium and osmium with a laser drill and a sonic pickaxe, but she brought her archaeologist's kit along, partially out of nostalgia and partially out of a real and nagging curiosity. Well, she found something on that little rock. She chiseled it out of the asteroid with her tiny hand tools. It's a piece of carved stone, shaped like a person. But not a human person. 
and even in the still photographs, it seems to move. Anyway, I haven't heard from Monique in a few weeks. Hope you're doing well out there, buddy. Our executive producer is Fred Greenhouse, who ceased long ago to be a human being, but instead became a quasar approximately 29 million years ago. <laughs> approximately. He keeps telling me he's turning 29 million every year. Buddy, let it go. It's okay. I'm your host, David Reinstrom, and this has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers welcome. Welcome. 